Well, good morning once again, everybody. Um, I want to make a, a couple of announcements before I begin the message today. And um, uh, one is, don't forget, we're in the process of Operation Christmas Child. If you have not yet picked up a shoebox, those are available out in the lobby this morning if you're present with us. Uh, if you're watching online, feel free to drop by the office this week. Uh, give us a call. And we'll have one ready for you uh, when you get there. We'll even bring it out to you. Uh, delivery, DoorDash, uh, I mean, whatever. And um, uh, we, we take this opportunity to bless children literally all over the world. Uh, there's a way to you can actually track your, your shoebox to see where it ends up, uh, which is a fun thing to do, especially to, to do with your grandchildren or your children in the process. So again, join us for Operation Christmas Child. Um, also, uh, we are beginning this morning, as we did uh, last Thanksgiving, a little more challenging this time around in terms of, of the logistics, uh, but we are wanting to bless 200 families at both McClure and Marshall Elementary Schools, as well as any needy folks within our own congregation also, uh, with Thanksgiving bags this year. Uh, what you see on the display up in the front right there uh, are the various food items. You can go to uh, our church center app and click on events, and they will tell you, uh, how, or you have the opportunity to register there, indicate how many bags that you're willing to fill. Uh, it's about $25 for the items per bag. Uh, we as a church will then provide also a gift card for turkeys uh, for those families as well. And so we invite you to join us in that process. You can scan, use your iPhone to scan the, the, the QR code that you see on the display either here or out in the lobby this morning uh, to get that information as well. And so please join us as we seek to, to bless uh, all those families this coming Thanksgiving uh, this year. Um, also, don't forget, as you're leaving uh, this morning, there is a, we have a special treat for you, uh, those of you that are present today. And uh, so don't forget to be sure and grab that as you exit the building uh, later on. Well, uh, it, also, if you're a guest here with us this morning, again, we're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm not sure how many guests we have during this particular hour, but if you're, even if you're a guest watching online, we invite you to come by the office this week and pick up a special gift that we have for you that we would love to get into your hands. Well, as you know, <clears throat> we have been in the process of our study of what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, those are listed in Galatians chapter 5, and verses 22 and 23. Uh, hopefully, you, you have them all memorized. In fact, you could say them with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Oh, she's cheating. She's putting it on the screen there for you. <laughs> if you can read, you can, you can say this together. That's all right. You can, you can help them cheat. That's okay. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, sorry, I always get those confused, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, self-control. We are about self-control this morning. In fact, watch this video, if you would. <clears throat> All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Mm 
I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. So it's up to you. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. It, that's actually a, um, not a takeoff, but it's actually a, a, a somewhat of a repeat, uh, reenactment of uh, an experiment that was a fairly famous experiment that was done by Stanford University way back in 1972. In fact, the, the, standard fo the Stanford folks actually followed up with the children that were involved in that experiment, and they found, they discovered that the kids, as they followed them over the years, the kids that had resisted eating the marshmallow or other treats that they provided in that particular experiment uh, actually fared better in their lives, fared better. And, and my understanding is that the kids you just saw in that video are now the CEOs, the ones that did not eat the marshmallow, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, except for the little girl that ate the marshmallow, and she is now a major Hollywood star. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. I have no clue. No clue about those children. But I do know this. <laughs> the ability to not eat that marshmallow <clears throat> while it is sitting there right in front of you for 15 minutes requires something that I need a whole lot more of, and that is called self-control. Oh, that's what we're talking about this morning, what it takes to have self-control. But to be able to, to have it, we need to first make sure we understand exactly what it is. Uh, the biblical word that's used for self-control is a, a self-explanatory word. It's it, the word that we translate self-control literally means to have power over oneself. Self-control, it frees us 
to be able to enjoy the kind of life that, that Jesus came for us to have, that he intends for us to have. Regarding everything from healthier bodies to well-managed personal finances to guilt-free living, self-control. It keeps us from doing any of those really stupid things that, that we can do to, to mess up our lives. It's making, it's restraining our desires, our emotions, and our actions with an exercise of our will that comes from within ourselves and doesn't require an external motivation. <clears throat> well, we'll talk a lot more here in just a few minutes about where that intrinsic fuel for self-control comes from. But first, look with me at one of the key passages on self-control that you find in the New Testament. Written by the Apostle Paul, the first letter to the church at Corinth, in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, verses 24 to 27. Now, the Corinthians were known for their self-uncontrol. I mean, they were a wild and crazy bunch. And so uh, the Apostle Paul really masterfully appeals to them by using a reference to sports, which was huge in the city of Corinth. Uh, the, city, the Corinthians hosted what was called the Isthmian Games. Uh, those, those were games that took place the year before an Olympic year and the year after an Olympic year. They weren't quite as big as the Olympics, but they were big. I mean, again, sports were huge. In fact, interestingly enough, when you read through the writings of the Apostle Paul, you pretty much kind of figure out that, that he was a big sports fan himself because he uses so many sports references. Again, these games were a big deal. The athletes trained for years. They had to vow to keep certain strict training regimens in order to even be allowed to complete, to compete. Well, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25 first. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, the winners of those events in the Isthmian Games were given a laurel wreath that were made from olive branches. And the moment those olive branches were cut, they began to wilt. And so by the time they were then placed with the athlete, oftentimes they were in various stages of wilting. And so what the Apostle Paul does here is he pictures the Christian life as a race to win, is that he argues from the lesser to the greater. He's saying, think about those athletes who maintain such incredible discipline as they train for these games. They have amazing self-control as they prepare for their events because they want to do the very best that they possibly can. And they do that in order to receive a prize that is wilting and that is going to keep on wilting. He says, but we as Christians maintain self-control in order to receive a prize that will never wilt. In fact, a prize that will last forever. <clears throat> now, some think that self-control is merely just a matter of saying no, of just saying no. But it's much, much more than that. Now, some of you may remember, particularly in this room this morning, some of you will remember uh, a famous campaign back in the 1980s called the, the Just Say No campaign. 
And there was such a proliferation of drugs and teenage pregnancy and AIDS among young people at that time that it was championed by Nancy Reagan, you may recall, um, that they, they came up with this campaign that, that was well-constructed, the programs were well-designed, and the idea was to educate young people about the dangers of all that and teach them how to say no. Again, sounded good, good program, so on and so forth. The only problem was it did not work. <laughs> Ultimately, the Surgeon General put it in the category of does not work. That's because saying no is not just something we do with our minds and our mouths. It is something we have to do with our hearts. Saying no requires something deep inside that is missing in so many people. You see, biblical self-control does not start by saying no. It starts by saying yes to God's best. Yes to God's prize. Yes to God's best life that he intends for us in Christ. That's his prize. Well, as Paul's life was drawing to a close, he wrote these words to Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he writes, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who, will, who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That is for everyone who run the race focused on God's prize. Now, <clears throat> I need to give you fair warning here. <laughs> Please know that we have an adversary, the devil, who is very, very real. And he wants to do everything that he possibly can to rob you of the life that Christ intends for you to be able to have in him. It's like as a Christian, you hold the winning lottery ticket, the winning lottery ticket, and you're on your way to claim your prize. And as, you're along, as you go along your way, this guy keeps coming up to you. And he's a very slick guy. He's in a trench coat and in a little slick hat. And, and he says to you, hey, hey. Hey, hey, you, hey, I'm holding in my hand here a half-price coupon for a super, super slam breakfast at Denny's. And I want to give it to you in exchange for that lottery ticket. <laughs> now, you're thinking, you immediately say, well, you know, there's no way I would make an exchange like that. Well, what if you have not had breakfast on that particular day? I mean, what if, if you're hungry? I mean, you're really, really hungry. Again, you say, no way, no way. I, I would never exchange a winning lottery ticket for a half-price super slam at Danny's. Danny's. <laughs> but think about it. Think about it. Why then do we make any of the dumb decisions that we make that impact our lives in such a negative way? Now, don't look at me like I'm the only one in the room that's done that, <laughs> okay? We know better. We know that's not what God intends for us. So why do we lose self-control and exchange our lottery ticket for eggs and pancakes? Because 
far too often we don't look beyond the eggs and pancakes. We don't look beyond the marshmallow that is right there in front of us because we're hungry. And what's right there in front of us looks so good at that moment. Well, that's why the Apostle Paul writes what he does next in 1 Corinthians 9. In verse 26, he says, So I run with purpose in every step. And I'm not just shadow boxing. That's throwing air punches that never land anywhere. Uh, Paul looked around and he saw so many who were like athletes in a foot race who didn't know where the finish line was. I was reminded of a cross-country meet back in, in high school. I have to take that by faith. I did run it. Well, she's getting shape for basketball. But this particular race, the, the, the course was not very well marked out. And, and there was a, a, an entire group of runners that made a wrong turn and r- literally ran around aimlessly for a, who knows how long until they, they finally, finally somehow found their way back to the course. Paul says, I have a God who wants to bless me, and a spiritual enemy who wants to rob me, who wants to throw me off course. So he says, I am, I am choosing not to run aimlessly, but to stay on course and to run with purpose in every step. I am saying yes to God's best. Paul writes then in verse 27, Therefore, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The great NFL Hall of Fame coach, the late great Tom Landry, once said, my goal is to make men do what they do not want to do so that they can become what they've always wanted to be. Paul disciplined, trained himself. Because he saw so clearly, so clearly the benefit and blessing of God's prize, of God's best, both in this life and in the next, that is self-control. It's not just a matter of saying no to whatever's pulling you in the wrong direction. Rather, it's being passionate, passionate for what you ultimately know is God's best, even though it may mean you have to wait for it, even if that wait is painful. As I was preparing this week, I came across the story of an, an Olympic <clears throat> Japanese gymnast named Sun Fujimoto. During the floor exercises that year, on the day before he was to compete for the gold medal in what was his best event, the rings, Fujimoto took an awkward fall and, and broke his kneecap. Broke his kneecap. Now everybody figured that he, he would just disqualify himself, and so they were absolutely stunned when he showed up for his event the next day. Fujimoto lifted himself up to the rings and performed an incredible, an incredible routine, absolutely flawless. Of course, everybody's wondering, how is he going to pull off this dismount? When it came time for that, I mean, the people were holding their breath. They're sitting on the edge of their seat, and Fujimoto does this incredible triple somersault, twisting dismount, and hits the floor with a loud thump. Everybody in the room is thinking, there's no way he can hold that. But he did. He did, and he won the gold medal. And he was later asked how he pulled that off with, that, with such an injury, and this is what he said. The pain shot through me like a knife. 
But now I have a gold medal, and the pain is gone. Self-control can be painful. But when the blessing comes, the pain goes. So how do we do it? How do we exercise self-control? Well, I I have good news and bad news. (laughs) Kind of like the doctor that called his patient who was waiting for test results and said, I've got good news and bad news. He said, well, what's the good news, doc? The good news is that you have 48 hours left to live. (laughs) He said, well, well, what in the world is the bad news? The doc says, I forgot to call you yesterday. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) When it comes to self-control, the bad news is this. You need lots of help. (laughs) Lots of help. I need lots of help. We all need lots of help. The Apostle Paul even needed lots of help. In fact, listen to what he writes in Romans 7, verse 17. This is from the message paraphrase. But I need something more, Paul writes. For I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then do it anyway. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. There's only been one time in my life when I ever spent much time on a horse. I was back one summer after my junior year in high school when I had the opportunity to work on a what's called work crew at a Young Life ranch camp. And uh, up to that point, the only thing I'd I'd ridden maybe a couple of times, one of those little 20-minute rinky-dink trail rides, you know, where you're on top of a, sitting in the saddle on top of a horse that's just sort of barely able to lope along. And and, and, and you got a horse right in front of you, you know, rear ends right in your face, and you're hoping for the best with that. And and, um, and you've probably been there, done that before. Well, that, that was my experience up until this point. Well, during one of our breaks between camps on work crew, we... Uh, took a ride, uh, a trail ride, not just a trail ride, but down mountain roads, uh, on, to the other side of the mountain, around the side of the mountain, to where there was another Young Life ranch that wasn't very far away for a time of fellowship with the work crew there. And on the way back, I somehow ended up near the front of the group with three guys who were all very experienced riders. And they were just dying to give their horse a kick and take off. However, the wranglers that were kind of managing our group wanted everybody to stay together. So the minute that we went around a bend and were out of sight of the wranglers, I mean, those guys kicked their horses into high gear and took off. Now, I was not given a vote in that plan. (laughs) And my horse wanted to go with them. However, I had never galloped on a horse before, much less on a mountain, on the side of of a mountain. So I tried to hold my horse back. I, I, mean, I was yelling, whoa, whoa. And at the top of my life, I was pulling back on those reins as hard as I could. In fact, my horse started rearing up. Kind of felt like the Lone Ranger there for a moment, you know, if I, if I wasn't so petrified. And, and, he, and then he started edging toward the, the edge of the, the side of the road, which was a, a huge drop-off. And so I, I, des- I decided at that point that, that I, I would rather uh, hang on for dear life and, and let him go. And, and man, he did take off. 
He took off big time. And all I could do was just hang on for dear life. I was holding on the reins as tight as I could, holding on the reins and the, and the saddle horn at the same time. I'm doing everything except wrapping my arms around his neck. I was, I was too prideful to, to, to do that. Well, he raced the rest of the way down the mountain, all the way through the middle of the camp, all the way down the road on the other side of the camp, and up to the, straight up to the barn where he finally stopped. Somehow, somehow... I still remained in the saddle, although they had to get a crowbar to pry my hands off that saddle horn. (laughs) Well, we just read a moment ago in Romans 7 where Paul said, the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. You see, just like I tried to do with that horse, you can pull on the reins as hard as you can. You can shout, woe, to the top of your lungs. But you cannot, you cannot overcome the power of your own sinful nature on your own strength. You cannot, not for very long at all. That's the bad news. So what's the good news? Well, Paul continues, chapter 7, verse 24 of Romans. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. See, the good news is the good news of Jesus. It's the good news of Jesus. And how does he help us? Well, first of all, again, know how much he dearly loves you and wants to help you. Wants to help you. He loves you so much that he, he gave his life for you. He died on the cross for you in order that you might be freed from your sin, free from sin and death, free from the power of sin in your life. And then the moment you receive Christ as your forgiver, as your leader, he does this for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 16 and 17, Lord Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, the Lord Jesus gives you personal help in the person of his Spirit, of his Holy Spirit living within you. That's why self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ Christ produces it in you. He empowers you from within over the long haul to do what you cannot do merely on your own. That's why Paul writes just a few verses earlier in Galatians chapter 5, prior to where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 16 he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So, how do you engage His Spirit's power in your life? First of all, pray. Pray. Ask Him to guide you each and every day, several times throughout each day. Then second, spend a few minutes of each day reading the Bible. That's the primary way in which God speaks to us. That's why we call the Bible the Word of God. It's His Word to us. It's called, there is power in God's Word. That's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 refers to it as the sword of the Spirit. It, it is with God's Word that we fight for self-control. 
Next, ask him to give you his strength. Ask his Holy Spirit to strengthen you, to give you his strength, to overcome whatever pull of temptation is happening in your life. And then finally, determine from the outset that no matter how painful it may feel at the time to say no, that just like a spiritual athlete, you are going to say yes to the Spirit. You are going to say yes to God's best and run with purpose in every step you take. Well, we have a unique opportunity to exercise self-control this week. A unique opportunity. Beloved, please know that regardless of who wins this election, it is neither the end of the American Constitution or the end of American democracy. America is the greatest nation on this earth, still the greatest nation on this earth, and is greater than any one candidate or one political party. But most of all, and above all, I know this. Our, our God is still on his throne. And our God is a sovereign God. He is sovereign even over elections. He is sovereign over our nation. He is sovereign over presidents, over rulers, over kings, over all the earth. And as the psalmist declares, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is our shepherd, our good, good shepherd. His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So no matter what the results are, remember that Jesus calls you to use self-control to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. And more than ever to be about the task of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others so that they might know his peace. So that they might know the prince of peace. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you that you are a sovereign God who loves us and always cares for us. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege, the incredible privilege of being your people. The incredible privilege of having a Savior who loved us so much that he laid down his life upon the cross for us and gave us his Holy Spirit, gave us his very own Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to empower us through those moments when our self-control is waning. Father, please help us through the power of his spirit within us, the power of the spirit of Christ within us to exercise self-control each and every day. And Lord, especially this week, as we have the opportunity here in our community, we ask that you would empower us to be peacemakers 
in ways that we probably can't even imagine right now. We pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.